All right, Ravens fans, let's do this. Welcome back to Ravens Recap. The Ravens fell 20, the 19 to the Steelers at Heinz Field. Big Ben got his, what might be his last win against the Ravens at his home field. The loss is what it is. We'll talk about it, but I think uh, the reason a lot of Ravens fans right now are particularly disappointed is the news that Marlon Humphrey did, in fact, on that last play um, tear his pectoral muscle when the touchdown was allowed and uh, will miss the remainder of the season. So thoughts and prayers go out to Marlon. Uh, hope for a speedy recovery and uh, excited to see him back on the field, uh, hopefully as early as you know next year during training camp and all that good stuff. So yeah, very disappointing. This is going to be a, a different, different Ravens recap, I think, in a way when even talking about a loss, because it just feels like a lot more was lost in this game. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about this loss today, and I was like, <sighs> it's funny because, you know, we, we did the recap, and I know, not the recap, the preview with, with Andrew, and I know I said, you know, I, I had a bad feeling about this game. I thought it could be a trap game for the Ravens. I thought it was going to be close. I said the Ravens w- would win by three, but I didn't feel super good about it. And it's so funny. It's like, watching it in real time and processing it it was like this is what i thought was going to happen but i'm not processing it like i knew it was going to happen it's it's so it's I, I my mind was taken back to man it feels like it's may 2008 again it's like you know there was the new indiana jones movie and you're just like oh harrison ford is so old it's probably going to be really bad but oh, it's indiana jones still got to go see it and you go to the theater and it's a train wreck and you're just <laughs> disappointed afterward and you're processing how mad you are but you're like you knew this was going to happen you got your hopes up for something that wasn't going to happen but yeah I mean gosh uh, there's so much to unpack here and it the the fan base this is by far I think collectively the most frustrated and just gassed I I think I've witnessed the fan base this year Um, and I guess we'll get into why but yeah, it's funny. Like we said, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, either team can win it either any year. doesn't matter what the records are. Pittsburgh won a tight one, and uh, yet we're we're trying to, to process it. Yeah, it's frustrating, man. It's, it's similar to last year in a way, and just like, I guess last year was more of with the COVID game that, you know, we were very short-staffed, didn't have a lot of players, but we were still able to hang in there and, and play a tight game. It's almost like the roles were reversed this time of like, we knew going into it that the Ravens were clearly better than the than the Steelers, at least win record wise. And it sounded like, you know, from the fan base, it just there was a lot of opportunity for the Ravens to be able to win this game. And they just, they didn't look it, you know, they, they played down to the opponent, I think. And, you know, Pittsburgh took advantage of that. But it's, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating to know that, you know, we're just so close. You know, it was literally just a play away from winning that game and just weren't able to execute it. And now everything feels so much worse. There were several plays that could have changed the tide of the game. Uh, it wasn't just one, obviously. And it stinks to lose a game that way. I- I'll I'll kind of fight you on that a little bit, Chris, where I think, like, even if we won the game, I don't think we had been super jolly in this episode for a variety of reasons, not just the Marlin news, but it's just, I remember, uh, I forget who I saw say it, but, and I felt it at, at M&T bank when we beat Cleveland, like we beat them and it felt good to beat them, but like no one was particularly proud of the performance. The defense played great, but like you just felt like something was missing. Like they kind of lucked their way into it. And then in this game, similar, incredibly similar. I mean, time possession was unreal. In the first half, like 24 minutes to six, just unbelievable amount of time possession for the Ravens. And it felt similar. Like we were up. We were, in fact, we were up until um, they scored with a minute and 48 seconds or so, or it's two minute warning. I forget. But anyways, it doesn't matter. We were up the whole game until you know two minute warning in the fourth quarter. However, of course, like you could feel the momentum change around the fourth quarter. The defense started giving up some big plays. The Their offense started moving and our offense is was like considering the continuing to sputter because after those first two drives, essentially, they didn't really execute in uh, any phenomenal way. They just, you know, got good field position and were able to kick in a field goal. Um, they, they, they they found ways to kind of shoot themselves in the foot. So it was just like wasn't great. Like I mean, you know, we only had scored 12, 13 points, and we were like, 
but felt kind of in the driver's seat, similar to last week. And and then it it turned on us, and we weren't able to to pull the heroics off for the umpteenth time this year. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I do think you bring up a good point that let's say that the Ravens did convert on that two point conversion or to play devil's advocate because you know there are a lot of fans on both sides of the discussion which I'm sure we'll get to let's say the Ravens kick the field goal win the coin toss and then you know uh, somehow spring a long touchdown to to win the game and and the defense doesn't need to see the field again I agree with you that you know even though we've been excited when the Ravens have pulled out these come from behind victories this year we've been excited when that happens but Every time it happens, you know, the joy of that has kind of felt less and less, and there's more and more relief that the Ravens just got to win. You got to look back on it, and I'm thinking about it too, because um, when the Ravens, the only complete game the Ravens have really had this year was against the Chargers. Look back on that game. Um, I was in Dallas at an open-air bar watching the game with a, with a Steelers fan who was just watching to see how his fantasy team was doing. And he was just like, man, you guys are going to steamroll the Steelers when we meet. Like, we, we're done. We got we to gotta rebuild. But your team is firing on all cylinders. And look, how, look where we are a month and a half later. It's just when we saw the Ravens play the Chargers, I think the fan base was like, this is the team we're expecting this year. Look, they've had injuries, but they figured out how to get everything together. But since that game, you know, they, they've either barely – snuck out of a victory uh, or lost in incredible fashion. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, this team is looking less and less like a dominant force like they did in 2019. Um, and what we think this team can be if, even if the piece, if it's just the pieces that are there are all clicking and more and more like a team that quite honestly is looking like a, a fringe wild card if this continues. So yeah, I, I think there's starting to be some impatience with the fan base. And, and I think probably some of the guys in the locker room too of like, Hey, when are we going to get back to when, you know, we're all, we're all on our a game and that's going to be, you know, more than more than close wins are going to be needed to, to quell that feeling. Yeah. I think it's interesting what you just said at the last part there, Peter, which is we all have to be on our a game. And that's the frustrating thing for me is that the first couple of weeks, I think we can probably all agree that the defense was really the one that was having the issues right just the so many broken plays busted coverages letting up late scores I mean they were not looking very good at all and the offense was looking fairly good they were the one orchestrating the comebacks and and really winning the game and now these last three or four weeks now the roles have switched right defense is playing really well I mean in a you know today's NFL if you're holding an opposing team offense under 20 points that's a recipe for pretty much winning, right? Your, if your offense can put up more than 20 points, you win the game. You know, and the Ravens have, you know, lost a handful of these games because the offense is not putting up 20 points, right? And it's it's like, what happened? You know, there's some switch that flipped that now the offense and, and Lamar are just not executing the way they should be. And it's, it's hard to put it all on one player, one person, one coach, but they got, they got to figure it out. They need to execute better. I know, you know, for myself in particular, I, I put a lot of this on Lamar, actually, of just so many of the, you know, so many sacks that he took from trying to play hero ball and trying to make a play happen when, you know, just make the play, just throw it underneath, you know, throw it away, do whatever you have to, just move on to the next play. You know, for me, I, I think it, I, I think we should probably talk about that a little bit more because I, I feel like this mm-hmm. game was kind of like a microcosm of just... Lamar, something's going on with you, bud, and we got to fix this because as long as you're healthy with Lamar Jackson, we have a chance to make a run here, but if he's not executing well, we're not going to be doing anything because we're just losing too many players behind to kind of hold him up. Yep. it's uh, The Ravens are fool's gold right now, and we want them to convert back into gold, you know? <laughs> um, I feel like you look at the team, you look at the pieces, and you're just like, oh, they could be good, you know? Like, this offense still could be good. And let's get into the conversation of Lamar and his execution because, you know, I think this podcast loves Lamar Jackson. We all like, you know, want to see him succeed. But the, the truth is like right now he's just not executing. And I think it's in the head, right? I don't think he's lost any physical skills. He's holding on to the ball, taking these sacks. And I don't quite understand why. I don't know what's going on. And I don't know if... Coaches need to get in his head more of like, hey, you need to like take what the defense 
is giving you because we saw, gosh, we saw like some incredible plays from Freeman, Murray, anyone who got a chance to catch the ball and, and turn up field. They actually, you know, caught the ball and, you know, you're like, ah, it's like third and 10. It's one yard pass. But what do they do? They, they convert it, you know, or like it's second and 24 or whatever the heck it was. And they, they got 18 yards on like a little dump off. Wow. Like <laughs> who would have thought, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I think it's worth just taking what you're getting and not getting sacked. Like don't go backwards at the very least. And this, this lesson doesn't feel that hard to learn, but for whatever reason, Lamar has regressed here and he totally can bring it back. He can totally flip the switch and get back into the right groove, but something's going on in his processing and he's just not taking these easy outlets sometimes that are there. I remember uh, the play that Nate McCrary pass blocked on. He had a good pass block rep. There was a open player in the flat and then, you know, eventually he got sacked because he just like, you know, kept holding the ball. And it doesn't. It wasn't like he didn't see the pressure coming. Like, I think it's at that point he should have known better and thrown it. So, that's just one you know example. There were several in this game. It's it's a weird conversation to have too because I know the I mean the the, the common argument for you know why a quarterback does so badly is you know no run game, no receivers, no O line, right? And like that's been true. You know, it's I mean I don't think it's it's no it's no secret that. <laughs> the offensive line that we have on the field this year is is definitely not what we wanted to have uh, going into training camp, right? The news of Ronnie Stanley getting hurt, I think, was just you know blew up this year, and then you know Villanueva not really being the guy who we thought he was, you know, as good as he was, and you know the right tackle situation not being where it is, like you know there are definite problems here, but you know, holding onto the ball for five, six seconds, waiting for somebody to get open doesn't seem like a good idea when you have an O-line that can't protect you for that long, right? I, I just, I don't understand from like an internal clock perspective of like Lamar, like if you're, you know, two, three seconds, like you, the ball's got to be out at that point. If it's not out, you know, make a decision and run off the ball. Like if there's a lane, take it. But staying in the pocket for that long with the O-line that we have, with the pass rush that the Steelers present, it's just not a good idea by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, just, I can't believe that yesterday Chris Wormley had a career game with two and a half sacks. That's unbelievable. I don't even know if he ever got two and a half sacks in his entire career with Baltimore. I mean, it's just, like, gosh, I know TJ Watt is a game wrecker, and I mean, he had I don't even know, three, three and a half sacks, like something ridiculous. But I mean, I expect that from him. He's TJ Watt, but like, you know, from some of these other guys, it's just like, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not like it was all on Lamar, you know, hundred percent on them. It's not like these guys just kind of like walked in these sacks, but I mean, these are not guys known for their pass rush skills. It, it's, and then, you know, have their stats be so inflated by this. I think it really shows something against, you know, the quarterback this game and it, it's got to be corrected. I mean, this is, this is crazy. Just the number of sacks and the turnovers that the past few weeks have just been, you know, game breaking. You're right, Chris. Wormley in three seasons with the Ravens managed to get 2.5 sacks. <laughs> One oh. game against the Ravens, he gets 2.5. That's pretty good. That's bad. That is bad, man. Yeah. And it, it is a really interesting to look back on Lamar's choices yesterday because, yeah, Alec mentioned it, you throwing the running backs in the flat. The Ravens had a lot of success on that with that on their first drive. And throughout the game, the Steelers were giving that, uh, that play there. Anytime Lamar wanted to take it, it was there. Freeman was open plenty of times. He didn't throw it to him. I think the easiest one to look at, in my opinion, was uh, the interception. Watt had him had Lamar backpedaling. His eyes were just locked on on the end zone, and he throws it up for Andrews, which I'll get to as well. But if you rewatch that play from from my view, now I haven't gotten to see the all twenty two angle. It looked to me like like Hollywood was open about four yards from the line of scrimmage, running a shallow slant, and from what it looked like to me with the separation he had from the the defender it looked to me like if you hit him in stride with the speed that he has he picks up the first down easy there again I didn't see the all 22 angle on there so I can't say that for certain but 
that's just one example. You just even if you just watch the highlights, you don't even need to watch the game film. Just watch the highlights that are on YouTube because um, they'll have the plays in there that were sacks for the Steelers because uh, those were highlight plays for the opposition. And <laughs> pretty much every one of those plays, you see at least one guy who at least appears to be to be open and. Lamar just didn't see him because he's just looking downfield, which is, I mean, you, you do want your quarterback doing that, trying to make the big play, but you got to know when it's just not going to be there. And you got to know that you're having success with these shorter intermediate passes. And these guys are getting a lot of yak in this situation against this defense. But I, I do think that the, the interception to Andrews is something that the Ravens coaching staff is going to have to address with him. And I remember us talking about this all the way back week one, 2019, when Lamar just had the field day against Miami's defense, who were were not ready for him at all. One of his t- many touchdown passes in that game, he was doing the same exact thing. The defender was rushing him. He backpedals like 10 yards, throws a jump ball off his back foot to, uh, at that time, wide open Miles Boykin. And I remember we were talking about that, and we were just like, man, that was an awesome play that really showcases Lamar's athleticism. But there's also going to be a lot of, of situations where that play could could backfire on you. So, he, you know, if he wants to do that, he has to make sure that he's going to do that in the right circumstance. You can make the argument, sure, he just did that last week against Cleveland, and that ended up being the game-deciding touchdown pass to Andrews. Andrews was wide open on that play. He wasn't wide open on, on this one. I get, he, he tried to throw it at the same spot. I, my guess is Pittsburgh watched the film and made sure they had the safety in the middle of the end zone, whereas the Browns decided to give... Andrews double the the distance you're supposed to have for COVID when you're social distancing on either side. <laughs> but there's a lot of questions I have with what's changed with Lamar. Um, but I think one thing that's definitely a part of it is this guy is we've we've seen he's a huge competitor, and we've seen in games you know obviously the wild card game against Tennessee. Sorry, not wild card divisional. When the Ravens are down, he puts too much of the burden on himself and tries to play hero ball. Sometimes there's some good with that, and sometimes there's some bad. The bad was like what we saw, that interception against in the last game that basically decided the game. And I think that I, I can understand the pressure Lamar feels. This is by far the worst rushing attack he's had in his career. Uh, the offensive line is the worst that he's had in his career. So he feels that pressure in the way that he competes to to do more than he ha- than he has to because he has to from his perspective but like we said in, in this game i think if he just took some some simpler some more of the checkdowns did some more simple um things it might have been a better outcome for for the ravens and and it led to a victory i think you're right man i i do think it's definitely mental with Lamar. I mean, unless something comes out like at the end of the season that he's been dealing with something all year. I mean, just from what I'm seeing, it seems all mental. I mean, he can still, he's making guys miss in the open field. I mean, he had a bunch of carries yesterday and he was fairly effective um, running the ball. And, you know, he can still make the throws when he's when he's on, he can make the throws, right? That last drive to be able to set up the, what would have been game tying or game winning touchdown. I mean, he, he was making all the throws. He was passing it and the different targets too. I mean, Watkins was involved. Holly was involved. Andrews was involved. Everybody but Bateman actually, which we could probably get to later, but... He got lost on the way to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, you, you can you can see him make everything. Like, I don't I don't have a, a doubt that Lamar can bounce back, but it, it's definitely, there's some sort of mental block going on here that yeah, it just it, it needs to be addressed. I, you know, the I think your point about the hero ball a little bit and maybe not trusting some of the supporting cast. I, you know, I, I'm I'm on the fence of that, but I, I did want to bring this up. I think it's, it was interesting. I don't know if you guys remember this play, but I think there was a uh, a read option play. I can't remember if it was in the second or the third quarter, um, maybe the second quarter, where. I believe Freeman was supposed to be running outside and Lamar could decide if he wanted to keep it and take it inside. And I thought the strange thing for me was that Freeman ended up going left and Lamar, instead of going up the middle, basically ran what Freeman would have done. Like he he ran like kind of to the left a little bit, just a little bit more shallow. And in that play, I was like, 
why is Lamar keeping like it didn't really make sense to me for Lamar to keep the ball I mean I'm sure he could talk about it and say you know maybe he saw something and that was the reason why he took it and he ended up getting a couple yards anyway I don't I don't know if he picked up the first down but in that situation I kind of look at it of like well like Lamar like couldn't you just hand it off to Freeman and not have to do that yourself and then let him pick up the yards because it looked like both of the guys were kind of open in that lane and I just wonder if a play like that kind of shows that you know maybe Lamar doesn't trust Freeman or you know he just doesn't trust some of the guys around and be able to make the plays he's putting more on himself than maybe he needs to I mean maybe that's just me you know kind of putting that in there but I don't know I feel like that's kind of a an example of of just sort of the things here of just you know Lamar you need to calm down a little bit you know the guys you're going to have there at this point the guys you're going to have and I think we should talk about it later they are improving I think the Freeman in particular has gotten stronger every single week I think Lamar needs to be able to trust him and put him in positions to be able to help him out and take more of that load off of him oh 100 percent yeah I mean Freeman and it was surprising the Ravens didn't give the ball to him more as the game went on because uh, that first drive of the game, he was extremely effective. Uh, it was probably the best we've seen Freeman all year. And yeah, like you said, he's he's done great with what he has. He's figured out how what his place is in this offense and has been he, – he's not who he used to be, but he's been extremely effective for what this offense needs. But yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. And then I guess one other thing – that is also crossing my mind is we still don't know what this illness is that Lamar caught. There's some illnesses you can get that can really knock you out for a while. I know in um, my sophomore year of high school, I got pneumonia in the spring. I was running track at the time. I was out of school for a week, couldn't get out of bed. It was really bad. And even the next week after that, you know, I, I was trying to catch up on, on schoolwork, but, and I was doing that, but physically I went out to track. I know it's a different sport, but I tried to, to do it. And I just had to tell my coach, like, I'm, I still feel like, feel awful. I was over to the pneumonia, but my body was not recovered from that. So I had to take yet another week off of, of athletics. And then even after that, like it was, it was tough to get back to, to running the times that I was before, before that. Um, so you do have to wonder if there's still some lingering effects from what he was suffering from as far as illness. Because, I mean, some of the things we're seeing him do, he's had some issues reading coverage in his, throughout his career, but, but some of the things that we're seeing him do are just extremely atypical of what we expect from Lamar. I mean, I understand that it was hurry-up offense and they had to get the playoff quickly, but that, that pass to... A play or two before the pass to to Watkins, where you know Lamar had Andrews in the end zone. He just threw it like low and behind him on like a ten yard pass. <laughs> we see Lamar make that play all the time. I I do wonder if there's still something physically going on. You know, some conditioning. Maybe you know the, the survivors took away some of his conditioning. I don't know. I don't have anything factual to go off on that. It's just something else to to consider in this whole equation. Yeah, it, it, it is really head-scratching. You know, I think the irony of the offensive situation right now is I think they're running the best that they have basically all year. Um, when you look at it from like a, uh, if you like neutralize the opponent, so to speak, I feel like the execution's a little bit better. The play design's a little bit better. Freeman's like looking good. I think Murray's not great. Like I, I he just doesn't seem like a worthwhile option at this point. But Freeman's looking good. You know, maybe if we start talking bad about Murray, he'll turn around like Freeman did. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's ironic that this is the problem. Um, you know, McCrary guy's first game action, negative one yard on one carry, good pass block. Uh, <laughs> so not much to say there. And then, like you said, man, like Bateman was like still in Gotham. He got, you know, held up. So he didn't show up. Goose egged. One drop catch, maybe, if you want to call it that, but it wasn't a great pass. And then, like, the supporting cast, not named Andrews and Hollywood, really didn't appear until the final drive. And even Hollywood was pretty quiet most of the game, and Andrews had a lot of costly drops early on. So, it's just, like, not great, man. The, the whole team's just not syncing up right now on the offensive side, and it doesn't help when the offensive line is having their issues, too. Um, McCarry got a hand injury. He's doubtful. 
uh, well, he was doubtful to come back in the game, which I joked, like, what is doubtful, right? Like, most questionables don't come back in the game. Like, what's the line between questionable, doubtful, and out? <laughs> out must mean you're out for weeks. You know, like, you already know they're done for a while. Doubtful's like, mm-hmm. they're definitely hurt, but... And then questionable's like, I don't know, like, <laughs> if we're down to our last cornerback, I guess we send them out there with one arm. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, what is questionable, you know? They, they almost never come back, so... Uh, anyways, yeah, not great. I guess maybe the other thing to talk about too, we could discuss it for a minute or so is, is, you know, is there anything that Greg Roman could have done to be able to adjust the offense a little bit more? I mean, I think we were saying earlier, look, Freeman was having a pretty good game. Even Murray on some of those underneath passes, I think was having a pretty good game. Would it have made sense to, to call more run plays, you know, throw a few more things in there, maybe some sweeps with Duvernay. I know there, I think there was one in there. At that point, if Lamar is, is still struggling, does it make sense for Greg Roman to call more of that offense and, and try and lean on that a little bit more so we can open up some play action? Or, you know, do we think that the, you know, run pass option and the, you know, sort of the, the play calls and, and distribution of plays was, was good last night? Chris, I'm glad you brought that up. I think uh, one of the big misses for this Ravens team was uh, a lack of use of tempo. And we saw the Steelers successfully used tempo against our team, found a good like package, kind of just kept it rolling and, you know, kept the defense on their heels. I think the lack of use of tempo in this offense at this point is a little criminal. We saw a delay of game penalty that was a gift to the Ravens because Ricard's uh, massive thigh got hit while he was crossing through the snap region and the ball went flying in the wrong direction and could have lost loads of yards. But, uh, you know, there was a delay of game because they got to the line with like barely any time. And to continue off of that, you know, you had some pre-snap penalties that were pretty costly in addition to the sacks. So I just felt like there's a almost a lack of uh, confidence, a lack of uh, poise in these situations other than like the two minute drills, man. Like I wish they, they ran their offense like it was two minutes on the clock all the time because right. when they do... <laughs> they're very successful we're very good in two minute drills <laughs> but they just seem to overthink things take a while to get to the line you know screw up motion do illegal shifts and like you're just shooting yourself in the foot it's remarkable yeah yeah i think the the pace of this offense has been very confusing since probably the game against miami we chalked it up there to is probably because of the of the humidity in Miami in the short week, but yeah, I agree. We've still continued to see it since then. From a play calling perspective, I actually think the Ravens did a pretty good job there. I, I just think it came down to execution by Lamar and and the rest of the offense too. I mean, because Lamar was off, but I mean, he wasn't the only one. I mean. Mark Andrews made some great catches, some great plays today, but again, we saw some incar- some some drops on some easy throws they should have had. Uh, that doesn't include the the two point conversion, which Lamar did not throw that ball where it needed to be. We have seen Andrews corral that catch before, but still, it was off target. And like I, like I said, for me rewatching the game, it looked like. Passing wise, there were guys open um, that Lamar just didn't hit for whatever reason uh, when he was trying to, to force the ball downfield. And really, just to wrap up that whole conversation, I, I think you can just look at that final play in this game as kind of, at least the way I saw it, how the Ravens called this game. I think that Greg Roman had a, had a very good idea of how to attack this Pittsburgh defense. Um, it just, the execution just wasn't there, and you just saw it that two-point conversion attempt, that play call was the exact correct play call they should have done in that situation. They had it. I understand that T.J. Watt came in and, and got in Lamar's face and forced a bad throw, but we've seen Lamar evade that type of pressure before and get himself into position to uh, deliver an on-target pass plenty of times in the past. Uh and they had Andrews open. The play call was correct, just the execution was poor, which I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've heard that many times from many other people who, you know, offered their thoughts <laughs> on this game. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, Greg Roman, he's done a pretty good job this year, in my opinion. 
Of course, he's going to always going to get scapegoated when the Ravens have a poor game on offense because of his track record. But he's shown some new wrinkles in this offense. And in my opinion, the Ravens had plenty of opportunities on, on offense yesterday to make more big plays than they did. Just the offense as a whole just was out of sync for a lot of it and was unable to capitalize on some favorable looks they were getting against the Steelers' defense. If I may, I think the big thing I've noticed the last couple of weeks, you know, this is a trend we talked about. This is a, a saga of the 2021 season where the blueprint, you know, everyone talks about the blueprint in Miami, zero blitz. Um, but I, I would take it a step further. It seems to me that most defenses are saying like, A, we're going to blitz you and B, we're going to try to take away the deep ball and say like, we dare you to take the underneath stuff. Uh, and that's working pretty effectively because um, the dare is working most of the time. It seems like for whatever reason, Lamar is trying to push it downfield, trying to let things develop and not just taking the easy stuff. And it kind of reminds me of the struggles that the Chiefs were running to uh, earlier in the season where they basically had to decide to be a little bit more disciplined, do longer drives, uh, not go for the kill shot. And they're starting to play better again. So I'm wondering, like, are the Ravens in this, uh, you know, learning process themselves? what's going to happen next. I definitely feel like there are certain sequencing problems that are making me scratch my head, but I do think it's improved a bit, but not tremendously. Like it's not where it needs to be yet. And I really, really, really hope that uh, obviously they are able to put this together. I haven't like lost faith on the season per se, but it's definitely a lot more uh, gloomy because it's just feeling like I forget who said it at the beginning of the show, uh, there's not as many pieces to bail out Lamar. So like, we need to get this offense humming. We need Lamar to be humming to have even a shot. I think it was Chris that said it. Yeah. 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 You're right, man. Like this is where we're at. Like we got to get these pieces going, like what we have left going because there's not much left in the tank. <laughs> well, I mean, it, just from a strength of the roster at this point, like, look, I mean, you have Lamar Jackson, Lamar you know, when he's on is still one of the most dangerous weapons in the NFL, period, from running and passing the ball, right? Hollywood Brown has looked so much better this year than he has in years past. You have Sammy Watkins, who's a great role player. You have Rashad Bateman. You have Devin DuVernay. And now DeFonta Freeman is also looking very good. And you have Mark Andrews to round out this whole passing attack. Like, you have weapons here who can score 30 points a week, right? It's, it is definitely achievable. And the offensive line, they're doing what they can with who they've got. But at this point, like they are who they are. The the pieces are there for the Ravens offense to really take over and and get hot and make a run. And defense with them doing better as well, and we'll talk about them more in a second. There might be enough here to still make a run. They just they have to put things together. If if they don't, then yeah, the wheels are gonna come off in the next couple of weeks. I think before we talk about the defense, it's time to talk about the two point conversion discussion. We you know allude to the play. I'll be honest with you. When um, they went out there and they had everyone bunched up in the middle of the field, I was pissed. I was ticked off. I was like, "This is not great. I don't like this at all." Like, spread it out, please, for the love of God. Like, there's a whole field out there, Roman. <laughs> it extends past the number markers. I I assure you, it does. But uh, like we discussed, it actually was a pretty darn good design. You know, you basically did a trade you said all right we'll give you a free rusher and we're going to try to attack that aggressiveness and hit mark andrews in the flat and he'll just like roll himself into the end zone for a score and we've seen that kind of play work a bazillion times and unfortunately uh you know watt was a very rangy wide guy as lamar motioned during the press conference you know he had to try to throw it around him and it resulted in an inaccurate pass that um, I think was basically uncatchable. Some people were calling it a drop by Mark Andrews and acting like he, uh, you know, had uh, webs. You know, anybody like, anybody who says that if you get a hand on it, it's automatically a catch. It's like stupid. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a no. there's a level of fingertips where like you can like have some uh, you can like put enough uh, normal force or whatever on the on the ball to like reflect it back to yourself. But it was so far on the outside edge of his fingertips that there was there was zero yeah, percent like, chance that he could do that like like even like even, even the strongest uh even the strongest rock climbers in the world don't have fingertips that strong to be able to do something like that he didn't have um, he didn't have the leverage right like the ball yeah. I, again i don't know if you know like the way it's shaped 
<laughs> like there was no way. Like just physically, yeah. he he did not have enough hand past it to then push it in the direction that they're suggesting that this is possible. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, guys, it just wasn't there. Don't try and use physics, Alec. You know that the Twitter isn't too good on physics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the uh, you know if you make eighteen twenty million dollars a year, whatever Mark Andrews is making, if you have that, then all of a sudden that makes your hands better, as if like right. you know you can just yeah, have pay the him stacks all that of money. How in the world can he drop a ball if he's paid that much money? You know, I know you just have stacks of hundreds on his yeah. fingers. You yeah, know? he is greenbacks <laughs> reinforcing his fingertips. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you, you bring up a great point. Andrews has made some incredible catches in his in his career, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that that we should expect him to make it every time. It's like. I mean, some of the more incredible takes I've seen is people say it was right in his hands. If you watch the tape, he literally, he had his hand, arms right in front of him, square, to catch the ball, and then he sees where Lamar threw it, and then he adjusts and, and has to stretch his arm out as I go well, away from the mic. I don't know if you got yeah. that. but <laughs> I got it. I got it. No, but yeah, the, yeah, thing, yeah. the other thing that's crazy, too, Peter, is like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we don't need to like keep, just keep going into this, but like, there's a difference between a incredible catch and an impossible catch. And this was in the realm of the impossible. It just wasn't a doable yep. thing. Like there have been times that he barely had a shot, like a 1% chance and was able to tip it and catch it and do the thing. And you're like, Oh my God, it's amazing. This was at zero <laughs> rounding up, <laughs> you know, yep. it just wasn't yep. happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I, th- I thought it was interesting to catch aside. Um, I don't know whether you guys noticed, but um, when Watt was sort of coming at Lamar, uh, Lamar was able to kind of like shift up. He was, I guess, I don't know if he was trying to juke, but he tried to step up in the pocket, just kind of get like a little half step to be able to, I don't know, make Watt miss, you know, try to get some leverage there. I don't really know if that worked. It it almost kind of (laughs) delayed the time to be able to get the pass off and then didn't really affect his accuracy at that point. Um, I don't know if Lamar was kind of expecting Watt to be able to slip and fall, and then he would have been able to make an easier catch, but Watt was still coming after that half step. And yeah, I think ultimately it was just, you know, it was a good play by Watt, and, um, you know, Lamar just wasn't able to put it in the right place to be able to, to complete that. But, you know, we can talk play call for one sec. So, Peter, I know you said earlier that you agree with it, but I, I'd say at the time, Alec and I were trying to, like, uh, you know, talk you off a cliff there. You were. <laughs> adamantly why did Harbaugh make this call you want to talk about that okay so there's a couple things you have to understand about my uh partaking of watching this game yesterday like I said it was an extremely (laughs) busy Sunday for me I I was only half watching the game helping my wife run around over you know with a very exuberant one-year-old and a dog and then the game that fourth quarter was leaking into bath time and story time. You got him on a strict sleep schedule because he's finally sleeping through the night. And we're just like, let's not stray from that. So like I went up with about five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And then I come back down when the Ravens start that final drive. So I am out of the flow of the game. I don't really know what's going, what has happened between then and, and at that point. So I didn't know that Marlon got hurt and I didn't really know how the Steelers got the touchdown. I didn't, so I didn't know the state of the defense. Just watching it and trying to catch back up with the game, I I saw that play, and the way I initially read it was Harbaugh was just running Lamar out there and just being like, yeah, our offense, you know, we can can convert on anyone. And that's just not how I saw this offense playing that day. And it it didn't surprise me at all that the Ravens failed to convert because I was just like, they've the offense has been out of sync all day. I can understand that the analytics might back back this up or say it's a 50-50 shot, but I think if you take into consideration how the players are playing today, I don't think you got a good shot of converting it. But stepping back from what I saw in the moment, I think you do have to look at it and and say like, look, Marlon was out. I understand that. I, I think you should have a plan for that, but you're asking a lot out of a beat up defense and you got a, a divisional game the next week against a uh, Cleveland team that's just on their bye week, you know, you go into overtime, maybe you win, maybe you don't. With the way both those teams are playing, it, could, it was either team's game if it went into extra time. So I, I think that that was the right decision given that, you know, try and win it there. You either do or you don't. But if you don't, if you kick the extra point there and you go into overtime, you risk gassing your already beat up team even more and it might end up being you might just ha- have two losses off the bat right there because 
you you have to save something for the rest of the season. Hopefully this one loss doesn't come and, and is a big deciding factor, but I think if we're talking about a playoff game, it's a little different, but when you're talking about the course of, the, of a whole season, I, I think that it's you got to look at the at the whole of it rather than just the singular game at that point. So I think I'm hearing you say is it came down to player safety. <laughs> In a sense. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I hear you, man. Like, I mean, my my stages of like the situation was like oh like gosh we really haven't been converting i don't know if i want to go for it and and go for the win like maybe just like send it out there and see if we live another day and then i was like ah oh, they're going out there and doing it i was like all right you know what like what are the what are the chances right like kind of what you were saying like our defense doesn't look great our offense like finally looked like they're look they're converting like let's do it while they're hot you know like go go get them you know don't don't have to do a whole other drive you don't need another gift of a out of bounds kick return or kick off to get to the 40 yard line like just go ahead and 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 do your best do it to to a play they get up there they're all bunched up and i'm like ah crap like this is garbage what are they going to try and do they're going to run the ball like i was like no they're not going to run the ball of course not or if they are it's with lamar right like they're not going to let lamar not touch the ball so all right okay cool so like and they do it and the play was like ah and like the fingertips and like ooh, and like, ah, it just yeah it, it was so close so like i feel like my heart may have stopped for 15 seconds there and yeah i mean but obviously like in retrospect once i heard the marlin news and just the fact that like you know Tavon played 13 snaps all game like he barely played um jimmy was leading the most action he's gotten like since 2019 essentially like the guy was out there like crazy um i was like yeah i see i see why they went for it they're like screw it man we don't have any corners like could you imagine that passing attack uh and the way that they have been playing without marlin without um you know even even stevens got banged up earlier in the game he came back but you're just like looking at the secondary and you're like crap man they are and the, and the whole the whole defense look gas they look tired you know they like lost their physicality they lost their edge so yep it's just it's what it is i think at that point you have to let your offense do the thing limit it to one play instead of a series and it just didn't fall our way and that's okay i i I don't think this loss is going to matter in the grand scheme of things like i think we're going to either uh i think we're probably still gonna make the playoffs i think it's still a playoff team and we'll see what happens there like it just our seeding might not be as good now right like we might not be that one seed but whatever like We'd be the most, I think we'd be the least deserving one scene of all time, uh, in a way. Uh, granted, the AFC is weak, and we can get into that conversation too. Yeah. But yeah. we're not, we ain't a force. Like, the, 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 the straight and narrow is, guys, like, you hate to say it, but like, this Ravens team is like incredibly flawed. We know, we've known this for a little bit, but it's becoming really clear. And like, we're going to need a miracle. Like, it's going to take destiny coming through and, and lifting us to, uh, to go the distance to even go <laughs> like uh it's not this isn't a team that can like it's not 2019 man 2019 that team deserved to win you know they were too young in my opinion that's like the killer i feel like they're starting to get the veteran experience to like and maturity and just like preparation to do this right and now they have all that but they just lack the guns like <laughs> they don't have as much firepower um which it's surprising to say, but it's mostly on the defense side. I feel like at this point, because the offense has more firepower, like more receiving options than ever. But the line is just suspect. Like they don't have Yonda anymore. They don't have Stanley and uh, OBJ. Like that goes a long way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is, is that still, um, you know, they're not one in the AFC now. But if New England loses tonight, uh, we're recording on a Monday, then. Ravens are still first in the AFC with all these injuries and with only a couple of games left to go. I mean, if, you know, if Harbaugh is able to rally these guys and, and squeak out a couple more wins, I mean, there's still a shot, you know, it's, it's crazy to say after all these injuries and especially after the Marlin news, it's, it's, it feels like a long shot, but there's only a couple more games left. And if they can, you know, weather through the next couple ones, Lamar can get hot again. It, it's still all on the table. And despite all the injuries, it, it feels really weird to say that, but that's the reality. Um, you know, the Ravens are not the only flawed team in the AFC. There's a lot of flawed teams. So, you know, there is a silver lining to all this. It, it can still turn around, but yeah, it's going to, I agree with you, Alec. It's, it's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of execution has to be better. And 
probably some luck, you know. So we spent a lot of time <laughs> talking on the offense. I think we're like 50 minutes recording already. <laughs> yep, let's do the defense. <laughs> we got notes there too. Lots to talk about. I think with the defense, the first thing we got to talk about is one sack for Calais Campbell, two quarterback hits. Outside of that, nothing, it, which is abysmal. I mean, and and overall, the defense di- didn't play that bad yesterday. You could even say they played well, but... You know, we, we, we saw this offensive line on tape. They look terrible. What's interesting, too, is that the Ravens' pass rush had actually been on an uptick the past couple of weeks, at least for, you know, compared to where they had been. You got to look at that. And again, no turnovers forced by this, this defense. Both those things, this is a prime spot for this unit. And and that was a, that was a big disappointment yesterday. Uh, yeah, no turnovers. Um, the reason why I wasn't so upset about the failed two-point conversion was because I was still reeling from the penalty when uh, Queen got that interception inside of two minutes. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know <laughs> I, I know the refs were uh, mostly on the Ravens' side. I don't want to complain about them too much, but then, I don't know. It was an iffy call for me. But, yeah, going back to what you were saying, Peter, yeah, it, it's it's almost like... <laughs> The uh, you know the the Pittsburgh game plan of just throwing all these uh, dink and dunk passes under ten yards like that actually kind of worked. It was like uh, the Steelers came into it and they were like, oh, let's just run Najee on every single play, and you know the Ravens are ready for that. Uh, he didn't really do much in the first half, and then they realized, oh, uh, we forgot the Ravens don't have any corners. Why don't we try that? And then they started having a little bit more success throwing the ball a little bit more downfield. You know, in terms of pass rush, like, I don't, it, it just, it felt like Ben was just getting the ball out quickly. It was almost like the opposite of Lamar, you know? Lamar was just hanging on to it for way too long, and Ben was like, you know, let's just get this out immediately, and, you know, let's let the guys make a play. And for the most part, um, you know, in, in, in the second half, I guess, you know, that's kind of where the most damage was done. You know, it didn't feel like the the Ravens did all that bad on defense, uh, at least in the trenches, in my opinion. I mean, they, like I said, they they were doing a good job stopping Najee pretty much earlier in the game. It just sort of wore down, I think, as the, the game continued. Yeah, when I was talking to Jason, I can't recall if it was like in the actual pick video or if it was outside of it, but he kind of pushed back on our um, analysis of the Pittsburgh game. He said, the only thing I really don't agree with you guys on is the sacks. He's like, Yes, their offensive line's not good, but they're disciplined enough to do the short passing game. They're going to get the ball out fast, and I just think Ben's not going to give you a chance to actually get there. And that was like just a really savvy, you know, veteran move to be able to... I mean, they definitely took some shots downfield, but it was only when it was there. I feel like his first read was always a short outlet. And there were several times that he caught the ball. Like, it was a shotgun. He would catch the ball from the snap, and he would immediately get in position, zero-step drop, to then throw the ball. That happened at least six times. I mean, that's a way to, like, just destroy a pass rush because they came after you with all their enthusiasm, you know, using energy, and they had no shot. (laughs) You know, there's not a chance that you could get there that fast. Like, it just doesn't happen. And then you had that uh, beautiful stone blitz, uh, untouched, uncovered, hot, and he was like, whatever. He just stepped right into his throw the opposite way and delivered a pass. Like, didn't matter that Stone was coming in hot and, like, hit him. You know, like, yeah, you got a body blow on him. I guess that's cool, but didn't matter. So that was, a, I think, a, maybe a miss on our analysis. Um, and, and just like, yeah, we thought their offensive line wasn't very good and the Ravens would be able to get these sacks, but uh, we kind of neglected to remember that. Ben was really disciplined and he had that veteran savvy to know when to get the ball out, and we just didn't have a chance to really get those sacks even when it was kind of there i mean i guess that's fair but i mean you also look at the at the three weeks leading up to that chicago got four sacks on ben and then the chargers and Bengals both three apiece Bengals defense also got two picks off of ben i i do get what you're saying and i do agree that ben was able to get the ball out quickly honestly i'm more upset about the the turnovers than the sacks we have talked uh, before Actually, it's been a recurring theme on this podcast on how sacks are kind of an overrated stat. Uh, but you know, it's not an overrated stat is turnovers, and it's just it, it's just really fascinating this year. The Ravens had I, I can think of three opportunities off the top of my head, not including 
the the one that Queen actually did convert on, but that was um, negated on a pass interference call on Averitt, where Ravens defenders had their hands on a Ben Roethlisberger interception and just dropped it. Now, granted, one of them that was the the tip drill that went off like four players, and none of them really had a good angle on it, but. There were two other plays, and I'm forgetting exactly when they were off the top of my head, where it was the defender had a reasonable chance to grab the ball. Not saying they were easy plays, but they, they had a reasonable chance of getting it. And th- those would have been nice to have in that situation, but I, I don't want to go back to the offense too much. But I, I do think another thing, you look at this defense, if the offense is able to get off to a, a hot start, then the Steelers have to have a more aggressive game plan, right? And that's a time when it's a little easier for the defense to force sacks and force turnovers because the offense has to try and get some big plays and, and the short passing game might take up too much time that the Steelers might not have in that position. So there's not too much a defense can do in that situation. But I guess if, if we want to give the defense those opportunities, um, the offense is going to have to have a hot, hotter start at some point coming up. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Peter, that the Ravens offense kind of let down the Ravens defense because I recall tweeting out the Steelers went and they scored a field goal in a four and a half minute drive. And I was like, all right, guys, like you got seven minutes here to burn off the clock. Like do a drive to nowhere if you have to just kill the clock, win by a point, get the heck out of there. Right. 30 second drive. 57 if you're generous like uh the page here says but that was mostly the punt you know the time elapsed from the punt they only got like 30 seconds off the clock in the first four or the first three plays so all right here comes out your defense who already looked a little tired on that field goal drive because it was 11 plays boom 14 play drive touchdown pittsburgh yikes don't like that you know (laughs) and it felt like, you know, if the offense was able to take some time off the clock there, maybe even score, that changes the whole dynamic of the game in a way. But instead, they'd got an already tired defense back out there. And yeah, man, you're right. The turnovers, horrible. Hot potato. A bunch of guys could have caught an interception on that one play. Painful. You had the Averitt uh, PI that negated the Queen one. You had a, one to Chuck Clark, which is like a recurring performance, unfortunately. The one standing member of the starting secondary. He's had a couple drops lately. Another one this game. And then uh, there was one more, like, it was actually, like, oddly all near each other. So maybe we only really would have gotten one <laughs> interception on that on that drive. Maybe, maybe there was two drives in question, if I recall correctly, that actually had these interception opportunities. But yeah, not great. And then like Lamar threw like a pick that was called back because of like the false start or whatever. I mean, I don't know if he like was just randomly throwing it because the whistles were blowing, but he just threw one right at a guy. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> don't throw interceptions in one dead plays. It's not safe. <laughs> Throws off your mojo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, here, let's 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 go back to defense for a second. So uh, one thing I want to bring up that I thought was pretty good. Um, well, I bring up a good and bad. So good. Um, I'll say, you know, for most of the game, the beginning of the game in particular, I thought the Ravens did a really good job of clogging running lanes. Brandon Williams, I think, also has had a second pretty good game in a row where, again, like you, you're looking at the first couple of drives, Steelers went three and out for most of the first half. And I think a lot of that had to do with just the Steelers kept calling run plays and the Ravens just, they had them ready. I mean, they were, they were stuffing them for, for the most part. You know, I, I think where it broke down a little bit, I don't know if you guys kind of noticed this, at least in the first half, was that, you know, the Steelers, I know they had that one quick, um, I guess it was probably a running back screen. They had Najee out left, I think. Um, and they had a few blockers kind of get out in front of them and none of the Ravens could be able to get in there and make the tackle. And then they ended up picking up a first down on that play. And I feel like after that, they kind of realized, oh, okay, let's spread them out a little bit. We'll go with these sort of quick passes and, and let our guys pick up yak because you know, they had a hard time to be able to, to wrap up and tackle. Uh, it wasn't from like a missed tackles perspective, but it was more of just, you know, if they can get blockers in space, they can, they can pick up the yards that they need. So, you know, overall, but you know, I, I thought there was some good and bad, you know, I, I think the Steelers kind of eventually figured out that, you know, we can sort of take advantage of things like this, but if we're comparing the Ravens defense to beginning to the beginning of the year to now, I think they've tightened up a lot more in, you know, areas where they would break down. 
And, you know, so I, I still am hopeful. I, I think with the news of Marlon, it, it took a hit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I feel bad because now uh, I wore his jersey yesterday, so I feel like I'm a bad luck charm. <laughs> um, but other than that, as far as uh, performance on the field, <laughs> I feel like, you know, even though, you know, we haven't had the turnovers or even though defense let up two touchdowns, I, I, I still think they're trending up. So if Wink can somehow uh, dial up some magic with, with Marlon out and, you know, still continue to, to perform well, uh, I feel pretty good about the next couple of games. Good news for Ravens fans everywhere is that uh, Najee Harris, I think, is just a guy from what I can see so far. Don't have much uh, optimism for him to be worth a first-round pick. So, uh, hooray, they wasted a first-round pick. Interesting. I, I, feel like I have a different I, take. I, I, I think he looks pretty good. I think that he looks a little raw, but I think especially you saw his value to the team in this game. He's just a big back that if you give – if you don't give your defense rest, he can just like, you know, Gus Edwards for us when he's on the field. Um, he can be a, a guy who can really wear down a defense and, and keep the ball in the Steelers. And I, I look at that fourth quarter and I say that with the, you know, obviously the Ravens offense failing to hold on to the ball was a big issue there, but I, I think Najee Harris was a huge reason that the Steelers were able to have a successful fourth quarter in this game. I thought he was one of the key difference makers for them, even though he's not, you know, super flashy. I mean, I guess that's the thing, right? Conditioning's one thing, but I mean, he was averaging, I, I don't know the official stat off the top of my head, but was it under three yards of carry? At least in the first half was definitely under three yards of carry, you know, for a first round pick for that. It's like, you can get a James Robinson, you can get a Gus Edwards for that. Yeah. I mean, you're... <laughs> Your gut, your your Gus bus comparison, I think, is like literally what I all I need to say. Like, I feel like I, I got validated honestly because Gus was an undrafted free agent. I mean, I understand like that you uh you know can't always do that, but at the same time, if your first round running back is anything less than a freak like Zeke or uh or Zeke in his prime, mind you, <laughs> not now <laughs> Zeke Zeke's been yeah, but uh. <laughs> like Zeke in his prime or uh you know like Saquon before he had no offensive line and blew out his knee and stuff like I feel like I mean even those guys like like you know, you see how quickly the tread can fall off like I just think it was a huge huge mistake so uh feeling good about it like okay. yeah I just I'm not I'm not particularly I wasn't I mean maybe he'll pull something together dude but like like I like my I feel like my priors were confirmed like he's he's physical for sure but i i just think he's not going to be truly a difference maker in the nfl i think right. he's a very replacement level player well uh agree to disagree we'll see how things turn out uh long term because we'll certainly be watching this guy a lot in the next couple seasons we'll certainly have an answer <laughs> one yeah, way yeah, or the totally, other totally totally yeah i hope i'm right for no other reason than the raven success but uh <laughs> i, I will I will I'll take my L if it's if that is the case. I think if we want to take a little bit more look at the defense, another promising bit to come out of this is that Patrick Queen once again had the most snaps for an inside linebacker, fifty five. Cue the Sammy Hagar <laughs> for uh fifty five for Mr Mr. Queen. He was uh you know, most of the snaps, ninety percent of the snaps. Bynes I got shaken up for a bit, forty one snaps, sixty eight percent for Mr. Bynes. But uh yeah, I mean Queen's definitely playing really, really well lately. I think you can say with confidence at ninety two percent of the time in on the game, uh he's he's there for passing downs now. Like his role's expanding. They're using him more and more. And uh this is uh one case where we can say the Ravens coaching I think has really done a good job of reducing his responsibilities and slowly adding back to it. I'm yeah. so I'm I'm just so upset that he that they called the interception back. That was that was the play he needed for a confidence boost and just that was his man. <laughs> I'm I'm so sad, Queen. <laughs> if you listen to the pod, man, I, I feel you. That was that was on you. That was all you. <laughs> yeah, that play was crazy. Um, and, and just props to Queen for continuing to fight in that game and get that. But he's doing well. I mean, I I still think Bynes has a really important role in this defense as well. But obviously. He's a stopgap player. We know we've we've said multiple times on how much we appreciate this guy on his third stint in Baltimore, but the guy is thirty-two. You know, 
he's got a couple of seasons left in the NFL. We'll see if the Ravens would even bring him back. But yeah, I mean, they brought him in to help mentor this guy and help make his job easier, put him in a, in a situation where he can succeed. And, and that's what's going on. But Bynes is still, he's still doing a lot of things for this defense that don't necessarily always uh, show up on the stat sheet. I, I did hear on a local radio show recently, actually this week leading up to the game, where the, the sportscaster was correctly you know, praising Queen for what he's doing and then saying like, yeah, now, now Bynes is the one who's messing up. Bynes isn't doing much anymore. And I'm like, no, no, no. You watch the game, you see Bynes. Bynes is the quarterback of that defense. He's going there. He's he's lining people up. It's just you know that that defenses are keying on that, and they're they're blocking him better. And also, you know, Ravens, like you said, they're asking Queen to do more, uh, so he's stepping up. But you know, Josh Bynes is still a very integral part of this defense. Is doing a lot of things that that again aren't going to show up on the stat sheet. But that veteran presence there is is still really key. And Josh Bynes is going to become that role is going to become more important now that Marlon's gone, and he's going to have to do a bigger share of the vet leadership there and helping whoever has to step up there um, to you know know where they're lining up and, and and help out in that sense. So it'll be interesting to see going forward how this defense responds to that injury that you know we talked about up at the top. Well, if you stuck with us this far. We're going to go into our moral victory awards uh, reserved for only Ravens losses. Whoever wants to go for it can go. Uh, this was a tough game. Performance as a team wasn't bad. It was just, you know, it's like we talked about Ravens Steelers. This game is always going to go. It's always going to be ugly. But at the same time, I didn't really feel like anything really stood out. So I guess I just got to give the moral victory award to uh, the NFL parody nerds, you know, the ones who were just like you're saying, oh, we got to have parody in the league and just make sure every team is in it. You got it. We're in week 12 or 13, whatever it is. Every division leader is eight and four. AFC, at least, is wide open. No team is really dominant. So for the people who like that type of football, I guess, congrats. You got it. <laughs> There's no dominant team in the AFC. Even the Ravens, who who proved that yesterday. All right. Well, uh, I'm getting, since we didn't talk about him earlier this day, um, I'll, I'll mention it now. Uh, Devin Duvernay get my moral victory award for having the heads up to know uh, when that uh, kickoff was rolling out of bounds. <laughs> he didn't pick it up, and I ended up getting them 40 yards of field position on that last drive, where they ended up uh, scoring the the touchdown to almost tie slash win the game. So uh, it was a great play by him. I, I thought throughout the game. I mean, Duvernay is still continuing to be one of you know one of if not the best kick returner in the league just always finding extra yards but uh that play in particular i thought um i remember him having a, a special teams gaffe a few weeks ago i think it was chicago i think we talked about that one uh but this time he was like he made the right decision there and it ended up being a huge boost so yeah duvernay had a nice return in this game uh he also was highlighted in greg roman's vault they used him to deceive the whole defense, and then they handed it off to Freeman in what was the, the one play of ingenuity in the whole game where all Ravens Twitter lit up being like, the vault, the vault. It was a cool play design. It worked really well, and everyone was like, it's the vault. <laughs> so DuVernay making his appearance, and then I'm going to end this one talking about you know kind of Freeman's revival. Freeman's, uh, you know, you got that last run at the end of the – first half and he was like doing the the zeke eats thing and i was like it's so goofy because he got like slammed but he had a really good uh game all things considered and uh, was a big part of the 99 yard touchdown drive that took 10 and a half minutes uh in the first half that, that was a record-breaking drive longest drive um in uh last three seasons i think they said mm-hmm. there was something like with that uh and yeah just absurd so well done <laughs> Some bright spots in an otherwise very gloomy game. I'll throw one out. Uh, I'll throw another one out just because uh, I wasn't sure if you're going to bring this up, Alec. But uh, <laughs> Chuck, uh, Chuck Clark, uh, while he needs to hit the jugs machine, I think uh, there's just too many dropped interceptions. That hit on uh, was it Claypool or Deontay? I don't remember which one. Uh, you guys yeah, know the hit that I'm talking about, yeah. dude. I was a throwback to you know the old Raven Steelers matchups in like the late 2000s. Um, 
<laughs> questionably should have been flagged but uh my god i saw that hit i was like oh what year is it <laughs> felt like robin williams from, <laughs> from uh, jumanji <laughs> it felt good to uh it felt good to see a little bit of physicality back into the rivalry so good job chuck yeah he clocked him <laughs> I, I thought that might be a, a penalty too but ravens got away with this so to speak they said it was a clean hit it's one of those things like Chuck Clark didn't necessarily know the ball was ever thrown. He just did the thing and laid the wood for sure. Hit stick. Full, full uh, contact hit stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. Thanks so much for listening. This is definitely a long version of a recap show for us, but there was a lot to unpack and a lot of emotions to work through. I think we did a pretty good job of it. Uh, feel free to follow us. Ravens underscore recap on Twitter. Our email is feedback at ravensrecap.com. Appreciate the reviews that we got. Three new reviews since the last time we mentioned that, guys. Uh, made a big push. Y'all came through. Appreciate it. So uh, definitely keep on recommending the show to friends and uh, being a part of the community. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back later in the week to talk about the Browns rematch. Be a lot of fun two weeks later. <laughs>